The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Pauls and I'm joined by James Seifert, Fraser Nelson. Will the government finally take firm action when it comes to the strikes? A few measures are under discussion as Christmas is set to be dominated by strikes in various forms, whether it is the postal service, to aeroplanes, to trains, to ambulances. James, what's uh, under discussion at the moment? So I think at the moment there are two two pieces of legislation that are floating around as ideas in Tory circles. One is something that Tory party manifesto committed to, which they still haven't legislated for, which is minimum service guarantee. So yes, um, train workers, for example, could go on strike, but they would still have to run a bare bones service even when they're on strike. The other idea is, you know, should strikes by for example, ambulance drivers be banned in the same way that you know the armed forces can't go on strike. And I think this has been this sense has been reinforced by looking at the kind of the practicalities of ambulance drivers going on strike, which I meant to do uh, on I think the twenty first of December. You know, you know, the, you know, when you have people debating whether ambulances ambulances say that they will still come out for category one, the most serious calls. At the moment, category two calls are taking over an hour on average to be met, when it's meant to take eighteen minutes on average for them to be met. And then the question is, you know, what if, for example, someone falls down the stairs, will an ambulance now not come to see them because it's not considered to be a life-threatening situation? So I think, I think you have these. And I think the government have moved in their position. And actually, I think the Labour Party have moved, also moved, which is the government are basically now saying, look, we've, we have emphasised reasonableness. We're now prepared to talk about kind of legislative steps that we would take to counter it. And I also thought you had an interesting comment today from uh, Labour indicating that while they won't say what the precise amount of the pay award is, they think the government should go beyond what the pay review bodies recommended in the summer. Fraser, should ambulance workers be allowed to go on strike? Well, well, that's a question the Prime Minister himself is asking. We're told he might be making it illegal in the new year for them to strike. Uh, and you can see why. But the police don't strike in this country. There, uh, there are some people you do regard as an absolutely vital service. And if they were to withdraw that service, then people die. Ambulance workers are one of them. And right now, I think there was a study from the British Heart Foundation recently that there's 230 Uh, deaths every week linked to heart disease, which are also linked to the problems ambulances are having right now in in showing up. So this is a bad situation which threatens to be made a lot worse. Now, I think I'm right in saying that that the Category 2 ambulance things that James was referring to, they take about an hour. They are not life-threatening. If you call an ambulance and you say somebody's having difficulty breathing, etc., somebody might be dying, then 999 then assigns that category one, and that arrives in 10 minutes. So I think I'm right in saying, James, is that the strikes won't affect category one. James, you mentioned that minimum service is something that was in the Tory manifesto. So why is it taking them so long to even get this close to doing it and is it because they're worried about a fight or is it because they're short of legislative time i think it's a very good question i mean in part it is because the legislative timetable was so disrupted by 
COVID. I think also now there's a realisation that if you try to legislate for this, you would probably, there wouldn't be cross-party support for it. So you would then end up in a scrap. It wouldn't be quick. Things would take a long time to get through the House of Lords, for example. But I think but I think it is a problem for the government. And this is one of the problems the Tories have, which is people are like, well, you've been in power for 12 years. Why haven't you legislated for this already? But James, do you think there'd be uh, much of a Tory rebellion on this? Or is there something actually where... Oh, I don't think there'd be any, any Tory trouble. I think the trouble would be that there is not a Conservative majority in the House of Lords. And you know, in, I mean, in the Commons, the stages wouldn't go quickly because I think the opposition parties would, would, would argue against the bill. And Fraser, where do you think public opinion is, is on this? Because as James said... Rishi Sunak and his ministers are trying to win the argument with the public before taking further action. I think trying to appear as honest brokers, um, despite the fact there have not been, you know, uh, much sign of agreements. And I think there is a, perhaps a hope's too strong a word, but the fact that these strikes are going to severely disrupt Christmas, I've seen some Tory MPs try to say, well, this is the unions overplaying their hand. Yeah, I think Rachel Reeves, Katie, in her interview with you in this week's magazine, had quite a point, good point, where she was saying that we're, I think in her exact words, we're paying more tax than we ever paid before in our lives and nothing seems to work. Now, that nothing seems to work is a reference to a whole bunch of things. I mean, when you asked her, Katie, if, um, if she wanted to condemn the strikes, she sort of tried to avoid the question, saying, oh, it's terrible, you can't get a train, even when they're not striking, let alone the strikes. So she would not... Uh, I think Labour's position on the strikes is a delicate issue for them. But I think that her criticism, broadly speaking, is correct. I think that's a rather powerful attack line. I don't think the public opinion, sure, that they're going to be, they're going to hate the fact that train drivers are striking when the average train driver is paid significantly more than the average passenger. But overall, as to a sense of a winter of discontent and the Conservatives in general not being able to govern, a lot of the NHS disasters here aren't happening because of strikes. They're happening because the Tories for 12 years didn't reform the health service properly and are now reaping the results. So I think it's whoever with public opinion finds technically is responsible for these things. It adds up to a wider narrative, I think, of Tory government failure. Meanwhile, James... I understand that in government they actually cancelled, uh, you know, one planned trip today because uh, they were convinced the broadcasters only have one story on their mind, and that is Meghan and Harry. Today is the launch of the beginning of the new Netflix series. We get three episodes today, and then the final three still to come. What type of revelations uh, are we expecting, and does this have any uh, effect in terms of how, I suppose, global Britain is perceived? I think you can't. I think you actually have to take this quite quite seriously as uh, as as a row. Andrew Neil wrote a very interesting piece in the Daily Mail um, last Saturday about the royal family has always been used to project Britain's soft power around the world. So obviously this kind of fight, but especially because this is a fight about whether about prejudice in the royal family. Prince Harry talks about lots of unconscious bias. I think it's a phrase, and he also used. Britain. He talks about Britain. Yeah, and you know, there's a there's a suggestion that Meghan Markle uh, received a particularly rough ride because of the kind of feelings uh, un- unleashed by Brexit, which I think is very odd because I think people's initial reaction to Meghan Markle was very positive. I also think that you know we have just got our first non-white prime minister, and I think I think it is. And this is not something we talk about, if you see what I mean. In, 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 I mean, that, that suggests, to my mind, a country that is relatively relaxed about these issues and very different from the country that is being portrayed by, by this documentary. I, I, think there, I think it is quite clear, though, that when you look at this, that 
the next set of episodes, which kind of cover their exit from the royal family, are, are going to be more difficult. You know that you know, and and that this is the bearing of quite a lot of private information. You know, which is you know, at one point Meghan Markle says that you know when she met Prince uh, William and and Kate, um, she was a kind of hugger, and that was a problem. That you know, kind of con- contrasting her kind of warmth with their kind of froideur. She wouldn't want to meet me. Um, then there's also a kind of mockery of the idea that when she met the Queen she had to curtsy to her and I think you I think you can see here that as it gets to their exit from the royal family which isn't really covered by these first few episodes but this is this is going to become sticky and more difficult territory. Fraser are you team Meghan or team Kate? Um, I am very much an admirer of the um, Princess of Wales and um, I have very little interest in Meghan Markle, despite having watched your Netflix thing today, I have to say. Oh, God, I thought you were doing some work on the Christmas issue. Uh, no, I've taken today off my Telegraph column to do various things today. We've got a spectator. You've taken your column off to watch my... <laughs> No, we had to do a whole bunch of things. I didn't even know it was live. I should have... Okay, right. Well, we, 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 we've got our Spectator Carol concert this evening. I've got to send the Christmas issue to press. You and I interviewed the Prime Minister today at uh, midday, Katie. So it was a busy day today. What's the highlight the Netflix series? Well, can, can I just say that I, I did find myself with a, a rather quieter Thursday morning than usual. Normally, I'm up at six. I send the Telegraph five options by nine a.m. You know, today I didn't have to do uh, all can that. Can I just check? Cause you you did cut it slightly fine in terms of finding before we went to do the Rishi Sunak interviews in the Christmas special. Were you watching the Meghan Markle Netflix series before the Prime Minister interview? Okay. Katie, I think this might be a feud to rival Harry and Meghan and William and Kate now. I think, Katie, you can say that I was adequately busted, yes. You, you said I should meet you in the office at uh, 10 o'clock. In fact, I rocked in at about 10.40. And that wasn't for any good reason. I was watching the uh, Meghan Mark and Netflix. But can I just say that in the interest of research... That's, and I, By the way, I'd like to save our Coffee House Shots listeners a... Uh, and an hour of their time, don't watch it. There's nothing in it. I just couldn't believe there was so little information. I mean, all of that time, all of that money, all of that hype, and they had absolutely nothing to say. It was just padding after padding after padding. And that made me actually think that this isn't going to be quite as dramatic as I'd earlier thought. If they had some serious information, some serious allegation, a serious point to make, that might have been interesting. But compared to the Oprah interview, where there was new fissile material, that was, um, you could just see there, the kind of verbal missile fired over the Atlantic towards Buckingham Palace. Here it was just a festival of what our former colleagues said Payne would call damp squibs. Well, thank you, uh, James, and thank you, Fraser, for your services to the podcast, for taking that time this morning. And thank you for listening. And if you do like this podcast, please do rate and review. We always like to hear from you.